Broadcasting from the Hair Saloon corporate offices, it's the Suzanne Benker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives regarding men, women, sex, and love. Today on the show, we're going to talk with San Francisco psychiatrist Dr. Abilash Gopal and his wife, Margot Lauren, about reclaiming masculinity and femininity. But before we do that, I have a quick favor to ask. We podcasters love nothing more than to get reviews. It totally makes our day. So I would appreciate it very much if you would pause this podcast for a hot second and write a review on whatever platform you're currently using. And if you've already done so, please consider sharing the podcast with a friend or family member you think would enjoy it. Shoot them a text or an email with a link to a specific episode you enjoyed. Word of mouth is the primary way podcasts grow. I also want to remind you that if you're looking for marriage or relationship coaching, go to SuzanneBanker.com and click on the coaching button at the top. I received an email the other day from a podcast listener who asked whether or not I do consultations and I realized that I'm not doing a very good job of telling people where they can access that information. So again, that's SuzanneBenker.com and there's a coaching button at the top. Finally, if you love The Suzanne Banker Show and you would like to see it remain commercial-free, don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber. Just go to thesuzannebankershow.com and click on Become a Patron. And speaking of patrons, a quick shout-out to Pamela for becoming a new supporter. And thank you, everyone, for your continued support. And now on with the show. It's hardly in question that masculinity in America is under attack. In the social justice crusade to promote the purported underdogs of gender, masculinity has become the enemy. America's youth have been brainwashed to believe that males are predators and females their prey. Girls are relentlessly empowered to believe they can do anything boys can, and boys are admonished to be more like girls. Indeed, progressives are on a mission to save American women from inequality, while simultaneously condemning masculinity. Men in the patriarchy have become the scapegoat for virtually every social ill, real or imagined. In such a climate, it is essential that therapists take a stand in support of manhood and offer men a safe space where they can express themselves without fear of judgment or reproach. It is also essential that women speak out against the relentless feminist narratives that serve to divide men and women rather than bring them together. My next two guests, who happen to be married, are doing just that. Dr. Abilash Gopal is a psychiatrist in San Francisco whose work gives him a front row seat to what's happening with men and boys. Fortunately, his wife, Margot Lauren, is just as passionate about reclaiming masculinity and femininity. Both have penned two articles in particular. One is entitled Reviving Romeo and the other, How Modern Feminism is Hurting Women, that were so bold, I just had to have them come on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Abby and Margot. Very nice to be here with you. Yes, thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome to see you both. So... As you know, you guys, or Abby specifically, you got with me and um, told me about this article that you wrote last year called Reviving Romeo. And I, as I told my listeners, again, once again, you just Google Reviving Romeo and it'll pull right up at the top. Um, It was just really, really impressive. Very, very bold, right up my alley, as I know you know. And then to have heard that you wrote it with your wife was really fun, too. So we have Margot here as well. And then you and then I found out about Margot's article called How Modern Feminism is Hurting Women. So we are here today to talk about those two awesome articles. Um, Okay, you said I'm going to do a couple of quotes here directly from the article. You said that, the, of course, you had wrote you had written this in response. Correct me if I'm wrong to the APA's new guidelines last January about masculinity and 
my my listeners are very clear. We've covered this um, about what that was all about. And you wrote, quote unquote, the APA is late to the game. Feminists, parents, teachers, universities, politicians, the media, and even therapists have already been on a mission to convert masculine men into obsequious cucks for quite some time. (laughs) And then I knew right away, that's my kind of guy. I like it. Just get right to it. (laughs) So tell me about your, we're going to talk later about um, your experience, your experiences with your patients. um, with respect to this, but just how did you guys get into this, especially living in San Francisco? I find that part really interesting as well. <laughs> well, you know, I think uh, in my field, uh, I certainly have seen over time just, you know, how much, uh, you know, sort of traditional masculinity, um, strength, uh, you know, courage, resilience, um, these qualities um, have been swept aside in favor of more feminine traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you look at psychology and even psychiatry, I'm a psychiatrist, um, predominantly women. Yeah. Um, and so I think all of these um, vital masculine virtues are given short shrift. And I've seen this over time. Um, and especially in California, we live in sort of the epicenter of you know, progressivism, feminism, all these kinds of um, ideologies. Yep. And so it just became more and more apparent to me, especially in working with patients as well. Um, not to mention just looking at, you know, commercials on TV and oh. just other aspects of misandry everywhere. Yep. Uh, just like somebody's got to say this and, you know, nobody in my field has, you know, the sort of, um, I don't want to be crude, but nobody has the balls to, to no. say this. Oh, you can be crude. You can be crude. We can say whatever we want. <laughs> but, and, but like, honestly, like, so it, I, like, it had to be yeah, it had to be said. Totally agree. So let's let's just get to what that was that you did say. Here's another quote. It feels silly to have to say this since the science is so basic, but men and women are different. Our differences begin with the Y chromosome that triggers testosterone in males during embryonic development. The facts are that men are stronger, taller, and better at STEM. We're going to get to that in a second. There are, <laughs> there are more male geniuses, and men are more suited to succeed in the workforce. Boys play rough, take risks, and prefer toys that foster, oh, now this is a word I don't know, visuospatial? Visuospatial. Okay, you'll have to explain what that is. Skills such as trucks and Legos. But you don't need the data. You can just observe your kids and the sex differences will be instantly obvious. If your child deviates from the norm, he or she may be in the company of a small minority. So much common sense, so much basic truth in there. Who would have ever thought that this would be considered controversial, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's just a sign of the times that um, common sense is sort of upturned. It's turned on its nose and, you know, people believe all sorts of crazy things. <laughs> and we deliberately in this article did not cite any research because we didn't think that was necessary. And the editors were quite bothered by that. They're like, where's the research to support that statement? And it's just, it's kind of... That's interesting. I was going to ask you about that. For anybody who missed it, this was published at Psychology Today, and we all know that that's just as much a bastion of this, you know, ideology as as the APA. So I was going to originally ask you how how you managed to even get this in the Psychology Today. This is a a great story. I mean, he has a column, so he's allowed to, to publish, and then usually the editors review it. And they decide how, if it goes live or 
if it needs changes. And um, one particular editor, a female, uh, went over it and rewrote it without our permission and changed all of the stronger statements, toned it down, uh, told us that we were being hyperbolic. <laughs> no, hysterical. Oh, actually. hysterical. Actually. She used that even, word. Even better word choice. <laughs> how, how I had it. implanted that word in her mind and she used it against me. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how familiar I am with all of this. Keep going. <laughs> Been there, done that. Go so ahead. So she changed it and, and basically took the force out of it and, and, and made the writing pretty terrible in the process. N- neutered it. Yeah. yeah. And then so we, <laughs> without her permission, we went back in and changed it back. She changed it again. It was a little bit of back and forth. Um, eventually, we just, you know, our changes, you know, prevailed, became, prevailed and became permanent. But they did suppress uh, the article in their search, um, so you, you you wouldn't see it on the front page. It would be really oh kind of hard. Oh my god! Google seems to it was, it. it was buried. It got buried. So that but, uh, that was the that was their way in the end of of getting you and saying we we have the power here. But it, but it remains up and, uh, you know, they forgot about it and, and people still write me about it. So it's still, yeah, at least, yeah. And it's nice that when you, as I, as I've told people several times already, if you just type in reviving Romeo, it comes right up. So that's, that's good. That's good. If you type in toxic masculinity, it's on like page 10. (laughs) Well, it might be earlier than that. Okay, it's, maybe, it's, yeah. it's not the first page. <laughs> no, no. It's best to have the title if you, yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that's a whole nother conversation is dealing with, with politically correct um, editors and it's, it's a mess. But anyway, so I'm impressed. I'm glad it's out there. That's, that's all that matters in the end. Um, okay. And it, here's another quote from the article. You wrote, one sex is not superior to the other and neither has the moral high ground. All humans can succumb to their worst tendencies though men and women typically differ in how those are expressed as well. Men are more prone to criminality, addiction, sociopathy, and suicide. Women are more prone to borderline personality disorder and indirect forms of aggression, such as guilt tripping, passive aggressiveness, manipulation, and meanness towards other women. Toxic behavior is not more prevalent in one sex, and neither gender should be shamed as a whole. This is so important because there is absolute, it is, it is, it is unquestionably taboo to talk about the really dark side of women. (laughs) And in there, you basically put them on the same par because they are in terms of their negative behaviors, but we are not allowed to go there. And yet how messed up is that for especially helping men who are in relationships and trying to figure out how the woman's mind works and why, you know, and when they're victims of bad behavior. It's terrible. And it, and what it ends up doing, I mean, it, it uh, hurts women as well because it just ends up pitting them more so against men. Um, everything's the fault of the patriarchy, et cetera. When, you know, everybody, if you've lived in the world, you know, you know that women can be, uh, nobody you know, knows like better than catty or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You nobody knows better than a woman, what, the but women are capable of, so it's silly because everybody it knows the truth deep down. Um, but it's, I don't know. There's a narrative now that maybe it, I'm not sure if people are truly convinced of this new narrative, like they believe it themselves or it's more, it's just strategic to, to present themselves that way. But 
really deep down, everybody kind of knows. I do. Well, I agree with you. And I think, and honestly, that's why I do what I do is I take the heat for people. I am the spoke. I mean, I consider myself um, the spokesperson for people who know it and just don't want to get on their soapbox about it or don't have time or whatever. And then I'll say what they're thinking and yeah. don't, don't want to say. And I, that, that's what drives me. So I'm so bothered by the fact that you can't say something. It drives me batty. That's the, that's the biggest danger in the culture today is the censorship. That's when they've really got power. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's become pretty extreme. I mean, people are being depersonalized. Um, it's hard for us to get published. It's pretty scary. And then even in our personal lives, we were talking about this a little bit before um, we came on that, you know, it affects your personal life as well, because when you're surrounded again, you're in San Francisco, I can't imagine I'm in the Midwest, it's much easier. But if you're surrounded by that, then invariably, you have to sort of pick your poison. Do I want to spend time with people I don't necessarily agree with and just put on a smile and pretend? Or would I rather live my authentic life and just have fewer friends? That kind of thing. It's a good point. I mean, I think over time, uh, it's interesting. I have like old, you know, just like buddies for, I've been friends with them for like 20 plus years. Guys are loyal, you know. Yeah, they they are. They'll still be friends with you even if they think you're crazy. Yeah, right. (laughs) I think that's that's how I would describe most of my male friendships. Like the guys are just like, oh, go Paul. He's he's weird. You've been pretty successful at turning people. I mean, I've turned some people. That's yeah. right. I've, I can turn some of my friends because awesome. ultimately awesome. guys like to debate and yep. I will yep. debate with them. I'm yeah. happy to yeah. debate with them, get into screaming matches, all that kind of stuff. All in good fun. Me too. <laughs> um, and, and they'll, and you know, I have, I have turned many of them. On the other hand, I do think that um, there has been some distance with other sort of associates, um, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. We may have lost some friends, um, but uh, we're, you know, we, we believe in the work that we do. We believe that there's a, a, a great purpose to that. Um, and we're not going to censor ourselves just to sort of play nice. With we're, it. we're not capable of censoring ourselves. One point I would make about being in San Francisco, I, I do think in a way, even though in our personal life, we're making sacrifices to be here. I think it's actually really important for our careers. We're right in the middle that we get to observe it. There's an urgency to it for us because we're not in the outs. You know, you yeah. can forget yeah. when you're in a, in a bubble that you know it's reflective of your beliefs. Yeah, yeah. We're confronted with this every, every day, day, and it feels really important to yeah. us. So I think, even though you know, maybe we become more isolated living here, um, I do think we'll probably stay. It's it actually creates enough like frustration that it ends up driving us to keep doing. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. Let's get into the heart of how it affects your, your professional life, Abby, particularly in particular you, um, you wrote, you wrote in this article that countless men have come to my practice feeling lost and ashamed. They are facing an existential dilemma. How do I be true to the core of who I am when society tells me that's wrong? Would you, yeah. Would you say that you, you, that's been more, uh, more and more frequent. I don't know how long you've been in practice, but more recently, or has it been there all along? Well, I've been practice. I've been in practice for twelve years now, um, and I would say with with increasing frequency. With increasing frequency, um, I think there were all there were always these um, manifestations there, um, but it took me some time to sort of like uh, interpret that in the context of what's going on in a broader sense in the United yeah. States. 
the cultural trends. And now that I've sort of, I think I have a good understanding of that, um, I can spot it much more quickly in these men time and time again, young and old, who come in and, and are just sort of disenfranchised or, um, you know, as I said, lost. That must have been, and, and having experienced that, and then the APA comes out with this thing, I could see how that would prompt your article right away. Totally. I mean, but like, to be honest, like I just, it's like, whatever. I mean, I think so much of uh, what they have to say, the APA, and even this sort of research, it's, it's nonsense. It's rigged. I mean, they have to admit articles to um, interest groups before they publish them yep. to get feedback. It's like, that's not science. No. No, but of course, most people don't know that. So when they're reading it, especially from Psychology Today, they're supposed to be the standard bearer for psychologists across the country. Exactly. You get the imprimatur of Psychology Today or even the New York Times, other mainstream publications like this, just every day is just a flood of misandrist, I mean, you know, even anti-white, whatever kinds of yeah. like uh, commentary. Um. And one of the things you point out that I think is so often, I've talked a lot about this, is you said that several of my male patients came to me after seeing therapists who advised them to essentially abscond of their masculine ways. <laughs> so this is basically therapy that essentially gangs up with the woman and telling the man that he needs fixing, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys get cucked, you know? I mean, totally. I mean, to be honest with you. And, and like these therapists, they're so weak. So weak. They're so weak, um, and and they they, you know, there, there's there's a uh, the, the the female. I mean, just to stereotype, the female force is vital as well. You know, empathy, nurturing. You need the you need that obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it's what makes women great mothers, for example. But if you have too much of that, and it's all about empathy, it's all about feelings. My feelings are the truth. Um, you're too aggressive. Um, you're too, you know, you're too intellectual, all these sorts of things the the men just get sort of, um, uh, overwhelmed what, what you that or demonized, demonized, yeah. demonized for sure. Yeah. And like, and then that can be used against them in every argument you're being, you know, you're being a toxic man. Um, you know, you're being a you know, dick, whatever, like yeah. that, that it's used against them time and time. And the APA recommendations are not unlike conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and some Many therapists practice practice this, even male therapists, where they're trying to train men to be more like women. You you have an example um, in the article of one patient, a young college student, who you said found it difficult to socialize and avoided attending class because he felt he might be triggered. He was eager to be in a relationship, but women kept ghosting him, and he couldn't understand why. He told me he had been seeing a therapist who is an expert in male mental health. Right there, you should be have your uh, dee 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 dee, exactly. <laughs> and steer clear. Um, exactly. Who encouraged him to quote always express his emotions freely, as this was truly who he was. His therapist suggested that the patient put it all out there on his dates with women, for this is the nature of intimacy. So my patient adopted this approach, but after being repeatedly rejected, he came to me feeling overwhelmed with frustration. And confusion. That's right. That's right. And then you had to hopefully tell him, no, 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 no. There's actually another way. <laughs> I guess. No, yeah. I mean, like, right. I, I don't. I, I mean, I understand. I mean, young men are looking for guys. I mean, some young men are naturals and they know how to talk to girls and they know how to get into mm-hmm. good relationships. Um, but uh, you know, mo- 
mostly like young men need guidance in that regard. And if they maybe already have some tendencies towards neediness and, and being, you know, overly emotional, and then they're encouraged in that direction by their therapist of all people, then they'll keep doing that um, with these girls. And obviously these girls don't do that, you know, I mean, they don't want to have to take care of, you know, it's too much. So that is um, unquestionably the number one um, issue that I get with my coaching clients across the board is this complete and utter, um, I mean, frustration isn't even, it isn't strong enough of a word of having put these ideas of interchangeability between men and women into play and then realizing not only is this not good for men, but she doesn't want it that way either. She's miserable. She's miserable. It's confusing for women too, because they're being told that this is what they should want. And so they're telling their men they want this. But deep down, it's extremely unattractive to have a man acting like a woman in the relationship. Yes. In every way, whether he's not providing, you're, you're making more money than him, he's being too emotional. It's just like you will never want to have sex with that guy, right? It's so unattractive. And then, um, but they, they, they believe in feminism. They, they believe that that's what they want. And, but there's a disconnect between what they think they want and what they truly right. want. We're going to come back to that, actually, when we get to your article. So hold on to that thought real quick. And let's finish up with the other article that you guys wrote. Um, I, you know what I thought of when I was reading this was the mess of modern dating. Oh, yeah. As a result <laughs> of this. It's a that complete is- catastrophe today. Yep. yep. And that's where I, I came in, why we wrote it together. That overlaps with my interests in kind of my purpose in helping men. So we, we think a lot about like, how do we guide these young men nowadays when all the messaging is wrong? And young women. And young women. So yep. <clears throat> yeah. that's what I love about you guys as a team with this. That was what was so inspiring. So when I saw the second article that we're going to talk about in a second, I thought about how, you, I mean, this is a beautiful example. You're married, you're one's feminine, one's masculine. You're both into this subject equally mm-hmm. and bring your unique, sensibilities to that conversation. I think that's extremely um, unusual, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on. Um, how long have you sort of been, I mean, we, I assume you didn't start out this way when you first got together. How, what was the trajectory of, of how you got into this? Well, you want to say? Yeah. I, well, I was, uh, work, we were both kind of working on these issues before we met. I had my men's blog and my women's blog before we met. And, um, you know, he, his ideas were still, you know, his, he was still evolving, I think, intellectually around these issues. But, you know, he was a psychiatrist before he met me. And, um, you know, one of the things that brought us together were our shared values and, how, you know, how on the same page we were about a lot of things. And we both had similar purposes in life. Um, they, we come from a different perspective, but we're definitely really in sync with what we want to do in the world. And it, when you bring it down to just the, the basic thrust of it is we want to help people realize their potential and live authentic lives. Yeah. And then build from there. It's about being honest with who you are. Yep. So it, it really nicely fit together. And because we're very different, you know, we, you know, different gender, but also we're just different personalities. We create, it creates a lot of harmony and uh, we are able to support each other by not being the same and having different roles and then supporting that. So 
What a crazy idea. What a, I know. Again, again, we're gonna, I want to talk about that. I mean, it's, it's what a taboo and yet brilliant thing to say. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, real quickly. Um, so, yeah, we talked. So dating is just a disaster over the fact that people aren't getting this basic message of there's there's a role to play. And when you move with the biological tie, this is my argument, the smoother your relationship will be. And the more you get away, the farther and farther. That's not to say that you wouldn't have, um, you know, some malleability there. But the farther and farther and farther away you get from those roles, the more and more problems you'll have. It's really, really kind of basic understanding. But I think we're not there yet in terms of understanding it. I mean, that's what I tell the young ladies. I'm like, lean into your biology. There you go. Maybe I'm just listening. I mean, because, you know. I can help them become more successful in the dating marketplace and get what they want um, and not feel frustrated, bitter, empty, um, you know, all these, all these things. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's move on then to this other article, Margo, um, that you wrote as well um, as this one with your husband. And this one's called How Modern Feminism is Hurting Women. And I'm just going to, again, quote you there real quick so people can see where you're coming from. When you got married, things were perfect. You were both in love and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed, or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneBanker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneVenker.com. Modern feminism has been incredibly effective. It has influenced practically every part of Western society. Most women would consider this a victory, but I believe it to be a harmful imbalance of power ushered in by propaganda that demonizes an entire gender and ironically results in worse outcomes for women. At the root of the problem is the false messaging in the current feminist narrative. The arguments are based on feelings instead of facts, so its demands are often misguided and misaligned with what women really want. I suspect that many women are starting to question the feminist agenda, though this is dangerous to say out loud, so I'll take one for the team here. The following tenets of the modern feminist movement promote a fantasy that will ultimately leave women disillusioned and dissatisfied with their lives. So amen to that. And I thought we would go through what those tenants are one by one. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So number one, you wrote, girls can be anything. (laughs) It sounds so innocuous. Of course, all of these statements sound innocuous until you get into the nitty gritty. So I'm going to let you go. Have the floor. Girls can be anything but girls. (laughs) (laughs) Right. My sister is like, we're, we're raising our daughter gender neutral. And she's a very feminine girl. I'm like, 
you know, just let her be a girl. Like, why is that not, why is that a problem? Do you say that? Yeah. Do you have a kind yeah, of relationship? I, I oh, tell yeah, her, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. Like, they, they, her, her siblings listen to us. Like, well, her daughter to listens to Her us. daughter especially. And does she have an answer when you ask her that? Like, why don't you just let her be a girl? Uh, You know, she's pretty entrenched in, like, I, I, I don't even think, yeah, she's brainwashed, but I don't even think she's being, like, too thoughtful about it. She's just, this is the trend, and she's kind of going yeah. along with it. Um, I don't go too, I don't push For, it too Force hard. her to go too deep, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. so... Um, but uh, I just think it's funny that um, girls can be anything but girls. And her daughter at one point said, um, she was telling us about a, a kid's show she liked. She's like, I know it's pretty girlish, but it's good. Uh, you kept apologizing. Oh, she was yeah. apologizing. I'm like, She's what? 10 years old, right? I mean, I think it's 9 to 10. <laughs> and this gets to the heart of what I what I say is, you know, if feminism isn't really just a war on men. It's actually a war on women. It's a war on femininity more than it is on masculinity. Well, greatest, more on attractive women. Well, the, yeah, 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 there you go. There you go. The greatest enemy is attract women with power. And my status is attractive. Yes, feminine women. Fem- so yeah, exactly. Feminism is definitely driven by you know women that are kind of the underdogs, I would say. No question. The dating market. Yep. Yep. They're very strong in, in certain areas, but extremely weak when it comes to their personal relationships. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that's absolutely. So anybody who has been successful in that domain is going to be a threat to their entire message. Right. Like an example in culture is Kim Kardashian. She's always been a target and, you know, women are very hateful towards her because she's very successful at being a woman. Ah, so then the second one you wrote is, of course, this is well known. Women can have it all. <laughs> I have a little bit to say about that. Um, Having having done both, but you go ahead and give me your, uh... you know, uh, I, I think an anecdote that comes to mind is that you know we had uh, some friends in his college group, his his college friends. The wives are were highly successful academically. They met their husbands in college. They spent many years getting an education, um, and some of them, you know, had careers as lawyers and business. So they, you know, pretty much their entire twenties involved a lot of hard work and sacrifice and we you know they most of them actually all of them probably got pregnant in their early 30s and the path they were on in their 20s and then the path they want to be on and what kind of choice they need to make now so they spent all these years developing this career but now they want to they feel driven to be a a mother Mm -hmm. and they can't grow both fully and so they have to make this really difficult choice and we've had some friends make the choice of just totally giving up the career you know even though they wasted their entire 20s working mm-hmm, on it mm-hmm. and really embrace motherhood and, and I guess they just forget about you know what they gave up on their career to get their career and then we have some that are doing trying to do both and then we have some friends that are you know giving up the whole being a really present mother and I think um, there's a lot of unhappiness that comes with many of those choices and it just seems really unnecessary to me yeah, it is. And, and, and advance, then maybe they wouldn't need to in this position. No, in fact, that's my, yeah, but my very first book was on this because this is really what drives me is that it didn't have to be this way. Yeah. If they were taught from the get-go that a woman's life has seasons, time for this and a time for that, and you have a biological clock you've got to work with and all of the rest, if they had just been given common sense, yeah. grandma-like wisdom, right, instead yeah. of this propaganda 
all these lives could have been different and you didn't have to get into this pickle. And it's very confusing because they're, they, they, they can be easily duped by um, a lot of the arguments that feminists make towards delaying uh, pregnancy because there is technology now. Uh, you know, IVF. There's IVF. You can freeze your eggs. But they're really being misled on this. Very mu- yes. Very so, much so. So that most of them fall for it and believe, okay, I can put this off, but then they, they go to do, you know, IVF and they realize it's it's too late. And they have deep regret. Yeah. Deep regret. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's one of the most, I think it's the, one of the worst things that could happen to a woman is to find out she literally cannot have her own child. Not to mention to the country, you yeah. know, that all of these women are not having not children, yeah. you the, know, the highest I mean, that's, that's IQ women. Are. Right. These are the most, these are the highest IQ. These are the most intelligent the kind of people you want to have kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. So the standard answer has always been from my perspective is that you can have it all, but just not at the same time. And you have to be willing to let some things go and you have to be willing to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and define that as having it all rather than all of this and all of that, because it's impossible to have all of this. Whenever you're focused on one thing, you're quite naturally turned away from the other. So how could you possibly be successful in both endeavors? You're not there. So you have to pick. Yeah. And one, one issue that not many people talk about that relates to this is that in the culture today, you know, couples get married so much later in their thirties. even, And for women, they have no choice but to find a way to support themselves in their entire twenties. They have to find a way to make money because they're not married and they don't have a man providing for them. And that, you know, is, I think that, you know, is ushered in by feminism, but it also men play a part in this. You know, if couples got married younger, women maybe wouldn't need to do so much college and get into college debt and, you know, find a way to support themselves throughout their twenties. Um, they and men could step up and you know take care of them it require first of all i agree with you completely and second of all it requires seriously thinking outside the box to go that far down with a thought process to say now wait a minute oh wait the whole way we're setting it up is wrong which is why your point is so apt about marrying earlier because the moment you make that the cultural narrative well, you didn't talk about all these things that are going to happen while you're waiting to get married until you're in your 30s. All those relationships you're moving in and out of, all that heartache, all the potential problems you're having being that sexually involved with that many people or yeah. or moving in and out of living with them. Let's just, I mean, all yeah. of that. Yeah, and women don't feel, they, they want to act like they're sexually liberated and they want to be like act like they don't want to settle down and then you get me too and then <laughs> yeah, and then you get me then, too no, i mean <laughs> the fallout is really striking yeah, yeah exactly which which any any person if you know anything about women you shouldn't be surprised by that that, that women are upset about all of it. no like, not, like, <laughs> not at all i mean it's exactly what you would expect to have happened right but uh, again yeah. it requires people to stop and think this all the way through Rather than just mindlessly going through life and following the trends, decades of this is decades of brainwashing and, and messaging from feminism. Because even our our my mother was you know a working woman. You know, this, so this has been the narrative for so long that it's just what it is. What it is, and Taken so it really is hard for people to like carve out a new path. And, 
um, I hope that, you know, talking about it more will wake women up and be like, whoa, this, this, is, this is a good point. I Agreed. Agreed. Well, I guess that kind of gets into the, that sort of answers the third tenet that you wrote in the article, which is work now, have kids later. So we kind of covered that a little bit. No. um, And that's, I talk, I think that's when I talk about the technology, the, you know, the IVF and freezing eggs and how, you know, we, we actually went through that process. um, And it, it was shocking how, low the success rates actually are and um you know it's it's just it doesn't guarantee anything and i think women just trust it too blindly absolutely and And also i just don't think women want to have kids when they're that much older they you know like starting when you're 38 or whatnot I, i don't think that's particularly satisfying for women so yeah i i i actually think you know, we, the culture should move back towards, uh, you know, getting married in your twenties, mm-hmm. having kids in your twenties. Agreed. Most- I totally agree. And then the other flip side of that is, so my daughter's 20 and that's, that's her plan <laughs> opposite of the way I did it. And my mother did it because what ended up happening, well, I was married and divorced, no kids in my twenties and then remarried three years later, have two kids. But I was 32 and 35 when I had my kids and my mother, she was 38 when she had me. Oh my it was just really unusual for those days. So the, the the fallout of that was that she, first of all, all, both my husbands and my parents are gone. So the relationship with the grandparents is no more. And all these things are transpiring that, that she, like my, co- you know, my daughter's college graduation or her wedding, and she won't have her grandmother there who she was very closest to, very close to. So she wants to do it all so that I'm, that my husband and I are around in her kids' lives for a longer period of time. So that's another piece of this. Yeah, and it's hard to For raise sure. kids. Raising kids has become so difficult nowadays just because of overparenting. Yes. But also we've lost the connection to family, extended family. And so we don't have a village helping us anymore. And that's unfortunate um, because it's 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 too hard. And, yep. and women are taking on too much and they're overdoing it. So, yeah, it, it helps to have grandparents around. <laughs> I It really does. And I tr- do you feel like, I don't know, um, I don't know if you've thought about this, but I truly do believe it feels to me that if more and more people were to do this and who knows, maybe my daughter's generation will more and more people will jump on board. They just want permission in a way. Social. Well, yeah. Absolutely. But I, I do think there's, it, it requires men to be on board too. And right now they have, why should, why would they, they have so many options. Good point. They can, yep. they can wait and, um, you know, the dating, the online dating has given people a sense of too many choices. So there, there's so many things that have to shift culturally for there to be an incentive for both genders to, to kind of revert back to this, you know, more traditional style of mating. No question. So, yeah, it's not simple. It's not a simple answer. Um, and, of course, there's always outliers. You know, it's not to say that every woman wants this path and this is right for everyone. But I do think that if we look at averages and generalities, this is what women want. And ultimately, this is what men need. Yeah. They want to, They need to, a purpose. They need to provide for a family. They're lost, too, because they're like, what am I doing in my life? Oh, don't get me started. I mean, what's that? What's that, Abby? Marriage makes men better. I mean, okay, marriage they, they, Yes. Well, just marriage and on they, oh, really? you know, they make yeah. more money and they're yep. more yep. responsible on average. Yeah. You know, That's you know. right. 
That's right. You have to grow up. That's why they're floundering because the mar- I mean, it's all connected to marriage and the whole, uh, this is, this is a whole conversation on its own. Oh my gosh. Okay. The fourth tenet you wrote, men are the enemy. <laughs> so it breaks my heart. It's, it's a war of the sexes. It's been going on a while. It's such a shame because we need each other. And, um, I know personally, you know, having this marriage I have, it's, it's so enriching. It's so fulfilling. It makes me a better person, it makes him a better person. There's so much harmony there. We can do more together. Mm-hmm. Obviously we need each other. Men protect the women. They protect the children. They provide and women are vulnerable. They need it. They're raising the children and they're, they're making the home beautiful. Not that it has to be a traditional roles. But th- this is just what our genders were made to do. Yep. And it just breaks my heart that this is broken. Like this cycle is broken. This, this understanding of our natural ways is broken. And we have such discontent around it. Mm-hmm. And we don't know why. I mean, exactly. We have other names. But truly, it's we've, we've, we've created this divide. And women are, are like really just leaning into this misandry thing. I just think it's just a shame. And what what happens when these women have sons? Oh. You know, you oh. see right now, like what mothers may be doing to their sons or raising them in a different way. And that's what breaks my heart the most is just seeing what's happening to boys right now. Oh, and- no question. I mean, I didn't get so into that until I had a son. I mean, that's just it's it's the moms of boys that really start to get their eyes really opened, I think. Um, and, and that goes into the fifth one that you wrote, which is that men, women don't need men. And of course we have, uh, this enormous population of, of single moms, um, who are raising their sons and daughters, but sons without dads. And then you're wondering why we're having the problems with boys that we're having today. And so, and it's, that's not the only way that that can happen. You can also have a too dominant of a mother, and a too weak of a father. There's other ways of causing the, the boy not to become a man, but there's just no getting around the fact that this trend has resulted in what it has resulted in. And of course it's very uh, taboo to, to talk about it, but if we don't, then boys have absolutely nobody in their court. Yeah. 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 And they're, and they don't know. They, they're being told masculinity is toxic. This goes back to my, my husband's article, but, um, they're they're born sinful they they they're born bad and they have to redeem themselves by becoming women or something and you know honestly what we need more than ever is masculinity we, i actually think that young men should have mandatory military service uh, spend a year agreed. Just learning agreed. totally agree um, so i i that these boys are lost and really the answer is to <laughs> embrace masculinity in the highest forms of it. Every, you know, you can, there's dark forms of femininity and masculinity, but um, I do think like just teaching men how to be warriors, how to be men, and then letting them become fathers earlier, <laughs> yes. encouraging them. Yeah. Encouraging them to, and then work hard and provide. Um, that's the way forward for men to find their way. And, um, but, Everybody else, everybody's saying that's wrong. And in fact, they're, it's criminal. At this point, it's criminal to be masculine. And the, even the justice system won't protect our men. It's really scary to be dating when you're not sure that something, you know, some, some of your game may be considered a crime. 
sexual yep. assault. So yep. it's, it's I a, don't. It's pretty scary. It's time for me. It's a mess. I mean, it's a, it's a complete mess. Um. Okay, and then this next one always gets me every time. I mean, you wrote it. You said women are empowered but helpless. <laughs> and I always say, I use the word victim. So it's like they, they simultaneously say, we're going to empower you. But by the way, you're a complete victim of your entire, you know, of, of men and of society. Now, how can those two things go hand in hand? <laughs> yeah, I think that is force correction with sexual liberation. You know, sexual liberation led to uh, sex being too easy for men. And then that, you know, women lost their power. Yep. And they yep. just had Amen. to get Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so now it's like course correction, like, okay, well, how do we control male sexuality? We <laughs> act like everything's rape. And um, we kind of return to these Victorian attitudes that, you know, I'm helpless little flower and, you know, my sexuality is protected and you have to, I don't know, you have sex with me once and, and we're married or something like that. I don't, you know, it's so there's a lot so, of conflicting. It's uh, a very, yeah, much so. it's very confusing and it's impossible for men to navigate. And it dress like a prostitute, but don't look at me. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, don't get me started on that. Oh. <laughs> don't oh. tell me how attractive I am. Right. Right. Don't tell me. So that goes into your last one. You said attractiveness shouldn't matter. <laughs> oh, of course oh, it it's absurd so, to me i mean like you know this comes back to like you know women the the underdog women who are feminists like wanting the to control male sexuality and to be the winners in the competition for male attention and the biggest uh, uh competition are attractive women and so how do you how do you rewrite that narrative you somehow decide that you know traditional attractiveness is wrong and it's it's you're being a whore you're you're being oh, anti-feminist and it's yeah, bad yeah and and what's really attractive is to be obese <laughs> ugly whatever like i'm gonna let my you know you're gonna own your your you know your flaws or whatever and so it's like oh like remember that uh, sorry fat acceptance didn't we go through a yeah, thing of fat, fat that kind of thing which is so uh harmful to yeah. to obese people which you know you know that's a lot of health oh. issues that come along with obesity so that's as a, from a doctor's perspective you're like horrified right mm. so um but yeah so it, that's another flipping the narrative like you know just it's 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 a dig at it's a dig at women it's a mean girls move like we want the like the kinder kardashians of the world are bad and they're awful and really what what makes a woman virtuous is to be flaunting her her fat or her her flaws and that men should her tattoos her tattoos it's also complete nonsense because if everybody's attractive then nobody's attractive yeah yeah there's a lot of marketing around like we're all beautiful right that's everybody's a genius all right well that's why they reject the whole uh biological reality of um women looking for safety and status and men looking for for beauty and youth right? And fertility. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just as much with us today as it was 100 years ago. You can't fight it. But to talk yeah. about it is taboo, because you're not supposed to be sort of judged on that. But that's, that's just completely dismissive of, of human nature and how, how it operates. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's not how mating works in animals. It's not how mating works in humans. And if women really were just like, okay, you know what, I'm gonna lean into this whole 
natural mating uh, strategy, they would focus more on their attractiveness. They, you know, there's a lot you can do to improve your beauty and they would be more successful with men. They would raise their status. They would maybe capture a good man to marry and be happier and have beautiful children. Um, but they're going the opposite direction, which is, is unfortunate. And I would add that within that attractiveness umbrella, there's more to beauty than just what you look like. It's also your attitude. And I think that's the biggest difference between an, an, a traditionally feminine, happy female versus the feminist hard ass type because they're hard and they don't smile a lot and they have no sense of humor. I'm generalizing here, but it's a fair generalization. And then traditionally feminine women smile more. They're happier. They're brighter, you know, and that's what attracts a, a, a man, right? You, you, Abby, you tell me if I'm wrong there since you're the man. It's the counterpart to, to game, I guess you could say. Like, you know, men, you know, if you, if you're, really shy if you're like crying all the time as a man like you know if you're really like weak like women are not going to be drawn to that no matter what you look like um same thing with women i mean there's a way that you can you know be uh nice generous uh um open lady, you know all, all these uh types of uh refinements that yeah are, men are going to find pleasing but that are you know it's at the heart of the matter is that you know feminists or people who are adopting that strategy they feel deep discontent and they're angry. They're angry. Yeah. And they, they're misplacing it. It's and that's, never going to be attractive. It's not something pleasant to be around. They're not, they're not, you know, feeling like realized and they're not reaching their potential. And if you're honest with yourself and, and you take responsibility for yourself and you do what you can to make yourself better, you're going to feel confident. You're going to feel attractive. And you're going to feel like, you know, just like you're living your honest truth and that will be really attractive to men and you'll find somebody that fits you well and it's just a more harmonious way to live and that's just what we've lost and women are feeling just they're they're don't know why but they're not happy the only type of man that a bitter feminist would attract is an obsequious man yeah. and what happens over time is the man submits to the woman and the woman becomes angrier and angrier <laughs> I see it all the and they're time. not having sex. And, and, that, having and, sex. and that's when they call me. <laughs> that's, exactly. I mean, uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say that's almost 100% of my clients. I, I seriously am not. That's uh, not, uh, not necessarily to that degree. Some of them call me on the way, which is much better than one that's gotten so bad. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's how I knew we really, this was, this was an epidemic, you know? Yeah. 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 This has just been a great conversation, you guys. I really appreciate you guys coming on. It's been great. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Do you, why don't you tell people the best way to get in touch with either one of you? I know Margot has a lot of um, stuff to read for sure. And then Abi, you have a website as well. Sure. Yeah. My, my psychiatrist website is psychiatristsf.com. Uh, and then the website that has more about my background in writing is uh, Dr. Gopal MD. Uh, dot com and then both of those sites have my email address which is the best way to okay and that's for everybody if we didn't catch that that's g-o-p-a-l right that's right he is in paul a-l okay and margo uh my women's blog is gabrielco.co so spelled gabrielle as it sounds and then co.co and then my men's blog is margolorenformen.com and then just about my background, you can go to margoloren.com. And it's margo with a T, M-A-R-G-O-T-L-O-R-E-N.com. 
And I love that you have the section for men and for women. I think that was inspired and again, really unique and, and awesome to see. So I thank you very much for, for, for writing it and having it and um, best of luck to you both. And hopefully we'll talk again. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Suzanne. Thank very you. Nice. You too. And now for the email of the day, this is from Angela who writes, hi, Suzanne, I've been following you for several months now and have never really had a question for you regarding the differences between men and women until now. I realized after I had a tiff with my husband that it is this one issue that seems to be at the root of most disputes in our marriage. Oftentimes when we have a disagreement about something, he refuses to see my point of view. If in his mind it's something he wouldn't be mad about, then I have no basis to be angry. He will try to further justify why he did or said something, and oftentimes things then escalate and I shut down. I just want to be able to explain why I'm upset and have him acknowledge it, rather than always be so defensive. I know I've talked on this program a bit about defensiveness with a couple of my guests, G.S. Youngblood in particular, and how harmful it can be to be defensive in your relationship, and this is something that men struggle with more than women. Ultimately, at the end of the day, when a woman's emotional in any way and just wants to be heard, a lot of men will, because their brains operate differently, just go into correction mode where you're thinking about it from a practical level as opposed to just simply owning and accepting her emotions and calming her down and not needing to explain it away from this practical male perspective. And I think that's really, really important that men understand about women when they get very upset especially in an argument. I have a couple who um, I coach now and I've been working with him on when his wife gets upset to literally just go toward her and hold her or hug her during that moment to calm her, which is telling her that I hear you and it's okay and I'll help calm you down as opposed to trying to talk her out of it. You know, the way you might you know, handle a business problem because that's what the male mind tends to do. So I think this is somewhat new information for some men and it's hard to do, but it will come back at you tenfold. So I hope Angela, you can play this <laughs> part of the podcast for your husband and hopefully he will um, understand what I meant. And he's always welcome to email me if he wants to ask me more about it, but that would be my suggestion. Um, for men is to just understand what what your wife is really looking for at that moment in time. Hope that helps. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Benker Show. Don't forget to tune in next week when I take a break from interviewing guests and my husband Bill graces us with his presence here in the studio and we answer questions from listeners about our own marriage. So that should be big fun, I hope. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it and don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.